Let us go ahead and begin with prayer, and then we'll go into the uh, into the scripture and <clears throat> the sermon. Gracious Lord, we do thank you and praise you that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I pray that you help each of us to fully understand in the depth of our beings how important that is, to understand your love. And Father God, let us go beyond understanding, but Lord God, help us to share that love with others. Help us to be your love upon this earth, Lord God to bring others to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We know that no man comes to, the, to you, Father, but by the Holy Spirit. But, Father, you use us, and I thank you. Thank you that you can use us. And, Father, I pray your anointing upon this message today. I pray your anointing upon the words. I pray your anointing upon the, uh, the Internet and the, all the technical stuff over there that will help take this word around the world, Father God. And I pray that it will reach the ears and the hearts Lord, mainly the hearts of those that need to hear it. Father God, that they would hear and know of your love and would understand, would understand your word and understand what they are hearing. Father God, just give them understanding and allow their hearts to be open. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay. So I call this message understanding. To understand means to come to, the, to, to know the meaning of something. You understand what it means. You understand the importance of something. It means to be in agreement with. You know, there are many areas for believers where we must be in agreement with. We must have an understanding of God's Word. How else could we know Him and know what He wants for us and, and, and know His plans for our lives if we don't understand Him? How can we be in right relationship if we did not understand them. You think of a marriage relationship, it would be pretty hard to be in a, a loving and, and meaningful relationship with a spouse that didn't understand you. Many times, after you've been married for many years, kind of seem to know what the other one's thinking, right? You can sometimes say it before they even say it. Because you understand that person, you've been with them. We should understand God. We should understand God's direction for the church. I'm not just speaking of this church, but we should understand God's direction for the church. We should also understand the order of authority that God has set forth. Because His Word makes it very clear. You know, Christ is the head of the church. Then the man's the head of the woman. You know, God's the head of the son. There's, there's authority. And we have to understand that we must accept that authority and stand under it. That literally means to stand under His authority. And I think for a church to truly be effective... For the church to be effective, we must have a right understanding of our relationship with God and a right understanding of His Word. I was going to begin with Luke 24. We are going to Luke 24 today. And since it won't be on the screen, you might have to look it up. And I was going to do 44 through 53, but I want to go ahead and back up to the beginning and share. Because last week we spoke of the crucifixion, that torture device that we have before us today in the, in the cruel and just the, just the awful torture and the punishment that Christ endured on our behalf. So we should at least look a little bit at the resurrection. So I want to read, well, I'll just read and I'll, you'll know when I'm done. Uh, okay, begin with verse 1, chapter 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. 
But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. So my friend, those two men were angels in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. You know, we went this week to the Kathy's viewing and I was talking with Harry. And, you know, I shared that, you know, Harry, the word does tell us to be absent from the bodies and be present with the Lord. We know that the spirit goes back to be with the Lord. And Harry said, that is, that is so true. And that is the words that give us, give us hope, gives us peace to know that our loved one love the Lord Jesus Christ and know that they will have eternal life. We have that hope that we will see them again. And Harry was saying, you know, I've had someone just recently tell me that this is nothing but a bunch of words. It's all a bunch of words. And I said, how untrue. These are the words of life. This is God's word. God gave it to the patriarchs. God gave it to the prophets. God gave it to the disciples inspired it by the Holy Spirit. This is the living Word. It's not just a bunch of words put together on pages in a, in a, in a, in a, in a jumble. It, it is, has meaning. He spoke. God spoke in the earth. Light came forth. He spoke and the trees began. He spoke things into existence. It's not just words. God's Word is powerful and it is mighty. You know, it says He spoke to you when he's at Galilee, saying, so he said, he spoke, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered. And then they remembered his words. Friends, his words are important. These words are important. Understanding is important. It's so important that we understand his words. So now Luke 24, 44 through 53. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. So this is after his resurrection. Of course, I just spoke of that resurrection, right? He is not here, he is risen. Hallelujah. Amen, right? Because he lives, we too can live. Amen? Okay. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Every time we open these words, we should pray, Lord, give me understanding. Give me understanding that I might comprehend what you have given me today. Okay? Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So here is Luke's version of the Great Commission, that the remission of sins, repentance, should be preached in His name to all nations. 
and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. And when he had led them out as far as Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Then it came to pass that while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Amen. Friends, how do we, how do we bless God? How do we, as His children, bless God? It says they were in the temple praising and blessing God. How do we bless God? Well, we praise Him. That blesses God, truly blesses Him when we praise Him. We are obedient to Him. We are faithful to Him. That is how we bless God. Verse 45 was a very important verse here. It said that He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. When my one granddaughter was very young, I'm not sure how old she was. She probably wasn't much more than about three or maybe even younger. I don't know. She'd say, Pap, Pap, are you picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> She's got a big, big smile on her face so you can know which one it was. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? She's meaning, did you understand what I just told you? And sometimes it's like, no, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Because, <laughs> you know, coming from the mouth of a three-year-old or two-year-old, I don't know. You picking up what I'm putting down? So my friends, are we picking up what the Lord has given us? Given us? Are we comprehending it? Are we understanding it? I hope that we are. I hope that we are. You know, this passage was before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus miraculously opened their minds. He opened their minds to give them understanding. But if He has the ability to open one's mind, He can also block it. Can He not? John chapter 12. I'll give you time this morning since it's not going to be on the screen. John chapter 12, verse 37 through 42. So I'm happy to give pause here this morning since I didn't get the Scripture to Rosanna. John chapter 12. Beginning at verse 37. Okay. He's found it? Okay. But although He had done so many signs before them, they did not believe Him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which He spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because I... Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. So let me repeat that. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, and lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. These things I say as Isaiah said to them, said when he saw the glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, now this is present day in Jesus' day, because he was, was what was Isaiah said, speaking of. These things Isaiah said when he saw the glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogues. 
For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Friends, do you love the praise of men more than the praise of God? I hope not. I hope not. We shouldn't allow what we feel others think of us to influence our relationship with the Lord God. We should not care what men say above what God cares about. We should be living our lives in a way to please Him and not man. But we must be willing to confess Him. They would not confess Him. Romans 10, 8-10 says, But what does it say? The Word is near you, in your, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That the word, that's the Word we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Friends, we must confess with our mouth. We must confess the Lord Jesus Christ, that He's been raised from the dead, that God so loved the world that He allowed His Son to come. That is the hope that is within us. In that passage in John, some might misunderstand when I said that He has blinded their eyes and closed their heart. Don't misunderstand that, that God intentionally blinded people's eyes. Do not think that God intentionally closed people's heart to prevent them from coming to understanding. Because 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved, and come to the knowledge of the truth. It is God's desire that all men come to the knowledge of the truth. It is God's desire that all men would come to understanding, to have the understanding of His love, to the understanding of what He has done for us. It's His desire. It is not God's desire that any would perish, but come to that knowledge of Jesus Christ. The truth is that God knew that they spent their entire lives rejecting Him. This just confirms their stubbornness. Confirms that they refused to understand. He allowed them to make their own choice. He allowed them to make their own choice. You know, today things are much the same. They are the same. God allows each and every one to make their own choice whether or not they want to open their hearts to understanding. We get to choose. Do we want to understand God? Do we want to choose Him? Do we want to choose life? Back to the thought of authority. Many reject His authority. They reject to submit to God's authority, to stand under his authority. There's two kinds of authority. There's an internal authority and an external. Of course, the external is that which should be governing our society. Doesn't seem to be working well right now that there are many that are rejecting the authority of the government and the police officers and all those in our, our land. That's the laws of the land which seems to be rejected today. But there's also that internal authority. That internal authority where we of our own free will, submit to God, submit to His authority, and allow Him to rule over our lives. 
This morning we were talking about baptism. We talked about the crucifixion and what Christ has done. We talked about that last week. And God's love. You know, it's so amazing that He would be willing to take our sins upon Himself. And as we talked about baptism, and I shared this with Justin, that God actually took the sins, our sins, the sins of all those before us, ours, present day, those coming after us, and He placed them upon Jesus Christ. He took them. He took those sins. He took them to the grave. He died and He rose from that grave. That is why all power and all authority has been given to Him. Because He took our sins upon Himself. It's so important that we understand this. It's important that we understand this when we claim to be His followers. To understand that when He rose up out of that grave, He was completely without sin. So now He has all power and authority over it. So we as believers can say to Satan, get behind me. You have no power and no authority over me because I am His. I want to speak a little bit about baptism from Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20, because we're going to be having a couple baptisms here very soon. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. He says, Go go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Amen. Amen. So Jesus Christ Himself says, Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as I shared with Justin, whenever we are baptized, just as Jesus Christ took our sins upon Himself, took them to the grave, buried them, then rose up out of that grave. When He rose up out of that grave, was He still sinful? No. Did you catch how I asked that? Was He still sinful? Because when Jesus took our sins, He became a sinful man. He lived a perfect life, but upon that cross, when He took our sins, He became a sinner. You're looking at me kind of funny, right? Hard to accept, hard to believe, but He did. Because God placed our sins upon Him, He became a sinner, died in our place. So they buried that sinner named Jesus, But when He rose up out of that grave on the first day of the week, He was righteous. He was completely without sin. So my friends, in baptism, yes, by faith we believe in Jesus Christ, that He took our sins, but that baptism is us being buried under that water. We are buried, that sinful man is buried. When we come up out of that water, just as Jesus was no more with sin, was without sin, was made perfect and holy, so are we. So are we. So in many ways, it's more than just a sign. Yes, it is an outward sign 
of that inward change, that our hearts have been changed, that I am a new man, a new woman, a new creation in Him. As we spoke of the commandments, because it really ties together when you're speaking of baptism. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not covet. So if I was a person that stole, that when I come up out of that water, I'm not going to steal anymore, am I? If I was a person, if I was a murderer and I was baptized and truly repented, when I come up out of that water, I'm not going to murder anymore, am I? Or I'm not going to commit adultery anymore if I was an adulterer. I am a new creation, a new man or a new woman in Jesus Christ. Just as when He come up out of that grave, a new, righteous, holy Savior of the world, we are a new, righteous son and daughter of the living God. Do you understand that? It is true. He said, make disciples, baptizing them. We are commanded to baptize. We can't just... I mean, yes, if someone dies and they're in the hospital in their last breath, they cry out to God and ask for forgiveness. They are forgiven. They'll receive it just like the, the thief on the cross that we spoke of last week. But friends, we should be baptized. We should be baptized. We should understand that. Disciples. Disciples will make disciples. That's a command of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go and make disciples. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. Go and make disciples. It's a direct command from Jesus Christ. Yes, we can't change them, but He'll place those that the Holy Spirit's been working on in our paths that we can help guide them and make disciples of all nations. Another passage, actually just to continue in the baptism theme. Romans 6, 1-11 through 11. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You know what we call that? Greasy grace. Shall we continue sinning so that God's grace will just abound more and more? If we say that we've repented and believe in Jesus Christ, should we just go on sinning and be no change? Please, some kind of response. Okay, no. Certainly not. That's what the Scripture says. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through the baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once and for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Likewise, friends, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that a good word? It's a good word to end with. My friends, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the message that the church has. That is the message we must understand and the message then we, we must take to the world. Proclaim to the nations. Proclaim to all those that God puts in our path. That is the hope that is within us. That we are alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.